This morning, I want to do something of a, a kind of a vision talk. So it's going to be probably most meaningful to those that are a part of Revive. And um, uh, I'm going to be um, giving you some big, important pieces of information that will give you a sense of where we're going in the next year. Um, uh, a lot of this, as you'll know, is not an exact science. Uh, life is uh, unpredictable at the moment, right? And uh, so we're all just following God the best we can in the wild journey that is life at the moment. But who knows God's still on the throne? Yeah. Okay. And that's why we'll be fine, um, because God's on the throne and uh, he's leading us through. I just felt I would start with, with this before I get really practical uh, this morning. Joshua chapter 1, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. I'm just going to dive straight into it because you'll know it. So the children of Israel are about to go into the promised land. The promised land that God has been speaking to Abraham about 400 years before. Uh, uh, everybody say, God takes his time. You can look slightly annoyed, it's fine. The psalmists often were. Uh, that God doesn't move at our pace, right? Uh, and, but here's the instructions as they're heading in. Be strong, verse 7, Joshua 1, verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful Everybody say, be careful. Ah, uh, whisper that to someone near you. Be careful. Be careful. You know, be careful still counts. Even though we're in this kind of, you know, modern trendy version of Christianity. Be careful. Be careful how you live. It comes up again, isn't it? Ephesians 5, I think. Somewhere in there. Be careful how you live. For the times are evil. Be careful. We'll get onto that in a bit. Uh, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? It seems this is necessary, really. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp. Tell everybody, get ready. Anybody want to sing the song? Come on, it was the refrain from Be Bold, Be Strong, wasn't it? Go through the camp, telling everybody, get ready. Everybody under 25 looks lost right now, but everybody over 25 is like, yeah, we know it. Let's dig it, man. Go through the camp. Tell everybody, get ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. There comes a time when it's time and God begins to take us on into the future. Well, I'm, I'm just praying that 2022 is one of those years. Anybody uh, ready to possess some promises uh, corporately and ready to possess them as individuals too? I know loads of us have got loads of stuff going on and who needs a savior, right? Well, I certainly do. I've got both arms and both legs in the air. So um, trusting God for the future. Right. So what I want to do in this context is I feel like I'm going through the camp telling everybody get ready. And um, I, I want to, like I say, I want to drop some important pieces of information this morning. I'm really, really glad that you're here. Um, uh, we'll put this out on podcast as well. I would say in a minute, I'm going to go into our, our context of where we're at as a church be, before I begin to talk about the things that we're going to do this year or attempt to do with God's help. 
communication has been very, very hard the last two years. Everybody get that, you know, it's just, I don't know about you, I just, I, I reached the point probably six months into the pandemic where I was like, do not point me at another Zoom, anybody else, right? I'm like, get, get lost, no, go away, shove off. Um, you know, uh, don't send me another video to watch. No, shove off. You know, I'd, e I'd even send them to myself and go, I'm not watching it. I, you know, um, uh, and I totally get that. And who hates long emails? Never send me a long email. It has not been read beyond line six. <laughs> if you can't say it concisely, go get a better education and come back and say it quickly. A anybody like me, I am, I'm a headline person. So those that know me go, let me give you the bullet points, these three bullet points, and then when you're in the mood, Jared, you can read the detail that there's someone that knows me. And that's probably true for half of us in the room, that you get an email, you just roll your eyes. Can I just say I have every sympathy? You know, but with every Zoom, with every video, with every email um, uh, uh, of communication, uh, we are trying to say things as, as we go along as a church and communicate. It probably has been said, a lot of the things I'm about to say, but they might have been buried three quarters of the way down an email. And I have every sympathy when you look surprised this morning. Um, but also, let's all just recognize it's a really hard time to communicate to a community like this. You know, it's, it's, it's not like a workforce where you say three line whip, you're going to be this or you all know this. So I am just going to, I'm going to share this. We'll podcast it. We'll email the same stuff to everybody today. Um, but let's, can we all be a bit, well, not all be a bit gracious. Let's just be honest. Can you all be a bit gracious with me uh, and the leadership of Revive that, that I understand that communication's hard. So just try and, you know, grab some of the stuff that, that I share this morning and I, and I hope I hope you'll be excited by the end of it. Um, before I kind of lay uh, the context for, uh, or, or I, I go into some detail, let me just lay a little bit of, of a context. Um, life has been difficult for everybody, right? And that includes churches at the moment. Uh, life is complex. But can I say it's not all bad? God's still been on the move. I'm hearing stories from, from you guys and from Ghoul and some of the works that we've got. People are coming to Christ. People are coming back to church. There's, there's a sense of something bubbling away of God. So it ain't all bad. God's on. Now, numbers might be suppressed and money might be suppressed, but I don't mind about that. Ask Gideon. He was fine with it. God can do more with the right well, I won't say 300 because we ain't there. Let's say the right 12. God can do more with the right, well, it was even 11, wasn't it? With the right 11 uh, than with the wrong 300. Um, we just got to keep trusting God. Um, through the pandemic, i am uh, been excited to watch the ministries connected to Revive and part of Revive that have kept lunch clubs going and poverty alleviation and debt counselling and, and food banks and infiltrating society and all that kind of stuff going. Do you know the guys in Ghoul are up for a secular award because of their pandemic response? Come on, that's good. Just filling the room with youth clubs and asylum seekers that need to know Jesus and people are coming to Christ and coming back to church. It ain't all bad even in this difficult season. While we've gone online, as much as I hate it, we're blessed that we've had hundreds of thousands of views of all the stuff that we've done around the world. And that, that's fab. That's, that's good. I know we want to get further into more, but 
good things have been happening too. You know, before the pandemic, we might, we might have had 20, 30 people in training in various courses. Uh, uh, on a, usually on a Tuesday morning, we did training courses and stuff like that. Now we have a couple of hundred people on online training around the world with the tribe. It's amazing what innovation does in a time of limitation. Amen? So it ain't all bad. We've learned some stuff and had some exciting developments. The Revive at Home videos, do you know that we now have over 30 groups with over 200 people in them doing the Revive at Home videos uh, that we put out every Sunday morning? I think that's progress. And I, I hear the stories of people praying and seeking God together and uh, some who are shielding and can't come to church as normal in this period, uh, and yet they've been able to have church at home. So who knows, God's still on the move. And yet, <laughs> it has been a tough season, hasn't it? And as I've, as I've shared before, where are we at kind of uh, numerically at the moment. Well, church studies show at the moment that really there's a kind of third, third, third split in church life at the moment. The reality is for most churches, about a third of people have just kind of disappeared and being hard to get hold of and, and you know, not responding to pastor's calls and stuff like that. And that, like I say, is really quite normal. As much as someone like me would go, okay, numerically that's put us back about a decade, who knows that numerically is not the only thing that matters? I think God is actually up to something in this. There's another 30% that really were quite committed. You know, there's the second third. And the, the sad reality is that quite a few have just started coming to church, shall we say, once, every, once a month or once every six weeks. Uh, uh, some have just fallen out of the pattern of being in and around God's people. That makes it really hard because an hour and a half once a month is never going to get you anywhere spiritually. Uh, if you've ever taken a certain drug for a certain illness or had to apply a certain cream for a certain skin condition and it says, you know, take this drug twice a day or put this cream on twice a day, you know that if you put it on once every two days, it won't have the effect. You're using the right thing, but in the wrong amount. And it's the same with church. We need to be together in some form. I'm not saying Sunday morning is the only way to do it, but we need to be together. And I realize through the pandemic, some are, are scared, some are genuinely shielding because they, they need to. Uh, others have perhaps backslidden and fallen out of the practice. And it is a behavioral practice of I prioritize being in the atmosphere of praise and worship and around God's people, being in a place where there's the anointing of oil and there's communion, being in a place where the word of God is preached. There is a grace in this room right now that is not available down a Zoom screen. It just isn't. There's a grace that's available in the room. Why? Not just because I'm here, Lord help us, but because every one of us is here carrying a grace from God. We need each other. We do. We need it at a, at a human psychological level, but we need it at a deeply spiritual level too. You know, and then, then there's others, bless them, that, that and, and this again is quite common uh, through church circles at the moment. People who have gone from being committed and dedicated to then only coming to church when they're on the rotor. And it becomes a little bit of a hired hand that I'm willing to serve, but it's not family anymore. I just turn up when I'm rotor to do a job. And I mean, there's, some, there's, a, there's a spark of something in the heart that says, uh, I, I want to give God my best, but when we fall out of the patterns 
of doing what we need to do in order to stay healthy, uh, life gets complex. So as a church, we're dealing with all of these complexities because, again, we need to, as Psalm 133 says, live together, dwell together in unity, not just do activities in unity, but dwell together somehow. And so that's where we're at. Now, then there's the last third that I'm calling the radical remnant. It's probably largely here this morning that's more devoted, more passionate, more ready for God to move, can smell that God is up to something. Uh, it's like I would say I'm so proud of Steve and Liz and Dion and Belinda and the team in Ghoul. They can smell that a move of God is afoot. They're employing more people. They're starting more groups. Uh, I mean, it's only a congregation of about 30 people. He came with a list of about eight things they were starting. Like, Steve, how are you going to do this? But here we are a couple of months on, and they're beginning to see explosive growth in Ghoul. There are people that are grasping that this is a radical remnant moment where we can do something extraordinary in God. I believe there is the smell of a revival. And while as many churches in the country have for the last well, few decades say, Lord, bring revival. Uh, and then stuff happens like has happened in the last two years. Well, I don't know about you. I've been going, well, this kind of looks like it. Isaiah 60, when it gets dark, is when you're going to find that God says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises on a radical remnant. Darkness covers the people, but the Lord rises on you. I believe this is a remarkable moment in God if we choose to say, I'm going to see with the eyes of faith, not with the eyes of fear or grief or weariness. Anybody excited? Thank you, Chris and mum. Fantastic. That's great. Um, and so, uh, some are drifting. The reality is that, yes, attendance is down. And uh, what slides have I got here? What's the next? Will this work? Look at that. Let me give you another problem that we face so that you understand some of the things that we're doing. I know this is a long way off for some of you. This presents a little bit of a problem to us as a church. Here's Pete Parv in there. Look, that little round dot. You haven't got your glasses on, Pete. Just right, right over to people over here. All trying to dwell together in unity is complex. And so we are facing a really fragmented uh, picture as a church. And so as I begin to outline some of the things that we, that we want to do, I want you to understand each of these red dots is a household in Revive. And uh, the thing that we're praying is, God, how can we be together? It would be easy if we lived within, I don't know, five square miles of each other, wouldn't it? Uh, it'd be easier to turn up to the prayer meeting. It'd be easier to get your kids to youth when I, I live kind of over here uh, and the youth meeting happens over he uh, here. Uh, and, you know, on a Friday night when it's cold and wet and there's black ice, I'm thinking, oh, do I really have to drive Zach all the way to youth? Then I just think of Pete and Inga over here driving their kids to youth and I think, buck up, Cooper, get your act together. And I do it. Uh, but... The commuter nature of our church makes life a little bit more complex uh, because who knows that an hour and a half on a Sunday, or as for many it is an hour and a half once every three weeks on a Sunday, is never going to bring revival. 
Never going to have the move of God based on that. We must somehow get together more and go deeper together in God. And so I want to present some ways that we might be able to, to do that. Because the reality is we are more fragmented than ever. And then we add to this complex picture of, of changing attendance and changing commitment and changing finances and a large commuter uh, 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 demographic in the church. Add to that what's been going on with the pandemic. Uh, I think two years ago, we never would have imagined that the government would have the ability or even the desire to shut down church services or terrify people away from church services. But who knows, the world has changed, has it not? I mean, we, <laughs> now that lockdowns have entered the national consciousness, I gotta be honest, we don't know what will happen in the future, do we? And unless the NHS is well, where do we go? Invested in or changed or developed in some way. There's a real possibility that every year we could face the twitchiness of lockdowns for several months in the winter. I think that's just a reality. I'm not here to blame or comment on it. That's just where we're at. So who knows, the future's got to be a little bit different to the past because uh, we're uh, heading into new territory. So We've got that as our context. Now let me share with you for a moment something of God's word to us in that context. Just before the pandemic hit in January 2020, a prophet called Dwayne White came to one of our leaders' forums and he turned up with a blank sheet of paper and he handed one to every leader and said, this is what God's about to do to you. He's about to hand you a blank sheet of paper and he's going to give you a new start, a restart. Everybody say restart. He's, he's given you a go-over time where you can start again. At the same time, I was talking about things like we're coming into a pit-stop pause where the wheels are going to be changed and things are going to be adjusted. That's the kind of season that we're in. Someone else came, in fact, several, and prophesied to us, rip up the blueprints of your plans because new things are coming, which I didn't really like the idea of because we had lots of lovely plans. Um, but God has said head off in a new direction. And then one that I really didn't like, and this came from two sources, really good, reliable ones said, they said, I see revive like an old galleon ship being dismantled, not destroyed. They're two very different things. Dismantled is very different to destroy. It means you can take the parts uh, and build something new with them because they're still in good condition. And they said, I see Revive being dismantled from one big ship and turned into smaller catamarans that were heading off doing exciting things uh, for God. And so we've got words like that. Do you know that, uh, again, let, let me throw this one in because I, I, I do... Um, because we don't come to you with every change in our building journey these last seven years, some people don't realize, perhaps, because I haven't wanted to take the whole church on the roller coaster, it's been hard enough just for a full, small staff to, to cope with it. But in the last seven years, uh, as we've been trying to build on Kingswood, but as you know, that was essentially for every month of good news, we'd have three months of bad, tough, slow news. And so it was often going very difficult. Uh, and that's why in the end, we pulled the plug on it. Um, but during that time, we tried to buy and build seven buildings in seven years. I want you to understand that we've not sat just going, there's that one thing, there's that one thing. 
in the times that it's been going wrong, we have found buildings seven times and gone, okay, that's the same size, it's cheaper, it's only two miles from where we're gonna build anyway, let's head in that direction. And we failed at bids, we've had our bids accepted, but then planning, turn around and go, there's no way you're gonna have that as a church. So we have been through battle after battle, which is why perhaps I sometimes look a little bit more ragged than I should do, is because we've been battling all kinds of buying and planning and highways and other things in the background. Um, because I, wanna, I want us to get into a home, anybody? But here's the, here's the thing along the way, uh, in these last two years, as God has said, rip up the blueprint, head in some new directions. Uh, uh, certainly now, post-pandemic, I would go, well, there's no way we're gonna put up a thousand-seat warehouse. I'm not even interested in thousand-seat warehouses now with the unreliability of congregational sizes. I'm not gonna live to try and fill a big box with people. Uh, there are other ways that we can do this, and I think the last two years has kind of led us on that journey. But here's the thing, on the journey too, God has said to us, but you're not building, this is through Dr. Sharon Stone, you're not building a church, you're building a nest, a hub, a training center, a gathering point. And so we've begun to think differently about this, and today I'm gonna share with you the new concepts of where we believe we're going uh, in the sense of our building as well, is that okay? So these are the words that we're living with, they're words of change. They're words of uh, really turning a corner. So what I want to do is give you four important pieces of information that um, I will hopefully help to get us all on the same page as we head into this new year together. Here's, here's the first one. Oh, I don't even know. Have I got a PowerPoint for it? Oh, go back one. There you go. Uh, the first one is outreach. We are here to reach the region, amen? Uh, we're here to see lives transformed. One of our vision's uh, uh, slogans is transforming local communities. We want to see local communities transformed. Um, some years ago, God led us to Kingswood, and that's why we've been on the journey of trying to build there. We were led there because of the concept of being offered a, a building up that way and uh, to be built, and it didn't come off. It got uh, got the plug got pulled along the way. That's one of the seven. Um, but here's the wonderful thing. Uh, we are on the brink of being given uh, Kingswood Community, the, the Kingswood House, the Kingswood uh, building that we have now, that ground floor that we can expand and refurbish and turn into a seven-day-a-week busy outreach center and community center for Kingswood. I am expecting that we will fill it with youth clubs and toddler groups and lives being transformed and debt counseling and people being reached and also, you know, all the usual stuff you might do in a community center to slimming world, which I need after my lockdown, lard, anybody else. Uh, and Zumba, I've always wanted to do Zumba. Not. Um, so, I mean, that is wonderful. We're on the brink of being given. A, I believe God is going to give us quite a few buildings over the coming years. There's a strange breakthrough coming. I said this to some of our leaders just the other week. I said, I feel that God is going to give us buildings. I said it at a leader's lunch uh, a few Thursdays ago. The next day, a pastor comes up to me and says, I feel that I should give you my building. I believe God is going to give us buildings for the future to do all kinds of things across the region. And here's one of them. We're going to turn that community, that Kingswood House Center, into a busy community center to transform the region and see God do more and more in the coming years. The second thing with outreach is that we're in discussion to see six outreach locations across the region formed in the next few months. These are outreach locations a little bit like Bruff that are infiltrating society, doing 
Alpha, meeting people in coffee shops, uh, bringing people into home-based groups. Every now and then we do a public worship service, but we want to see this region transformed. And what I am looking for, because I'm looking in your eyes, because I can't see much below some of them, um, uh, because you've got your masks on. I'm I'm looking in your eyes. Uh, There are about six places that want to start outreach locations across the region. My heart is this. If there's anyone here that's saying, I I don't want to start a full church, but I want to reach my region. I want to see people saved. I'm happy to work with local churches in the area too. Why don't we go out and fill a load of local churches with people getting saved? Come on. Some of you are good and strong at evangelism. We want to mobilize you and see you transform regions for Jesus. Who knows that there's a little bit of a crisis going on in the Anglican church right now. Things are about to change radically. I wonder if some city churches a little bit more like ours could come alongside some of the the parishes that are more in the countryside and see something remarkable go on. Why can't we work together as one team? If someone gets saved, I don't care if they come to revive or not. I care that they come to the church big C and see their lives transformed. Why can't we work with local Anglican churches and Methodist churches to run Alpha courses and see lives transformed? Could we do something in the region, not for us, but for Jesus? Not for us, but for the church. If you have a heart for your village, your suburb, your town, come and talk to me because we're starting outreach locations. It's not some kind of cookie cutter plan. It's what have you got a heart to do? What have you got time to do? What have you got the gift to do? Then all of the church will get behind you to see it done. And let's see this region transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout something. I, I, I'm excited, right? So that's what we're, we're praying about there. So uh, within the next few months, uh, we're praying that we would see um, outreach locations. I, I know of six right now, uh, but right across the region. Um, I envisage that uh, as we face the future now, we're looking rather than one big warehouse church, I expect us to have a headquarters hub somewhere that I'll talk about in a moment, but that there will be community centers and outreach locations and campuses and churches right across the region around this hub. What does a hub have? It has spokes going out. We want a house of prayer right in the center of the region, supporting all these people reaching out to the communities of East Yorkshire and Hull. But we need that hub as well. Let me talk about that for a minute. Why a house of prayer? I was thinking about this the other day. I think some people probably think that wine comes from supermarket shelves. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't, does it? Where does it come from? Vineyards, right? I think some people think moves of God come from Sunday morning platforms. They don't. They come from deep, secret surrendered prayer. They come from houses of worship. They come from lives that are secretly surrendered to God. Lives of people saying, God, use me, have me. Lives that are being transformed in the presence of God is where you get moves of God from. The supermarket shelf won't provide wine. You need a vineyard. You need to go deep. We are not trying to provide the region with a supermarket shelf. It's time to plant a vineyard. It's time to do the root work. It's time to prune. It's time to crush those grapes. Come on, somebody. It's time to seek God together until he moves in the region. It's time to stir up our prayer lives and our longings with God. It's time to dive into his presence with the time that we have and see a transformation come. But you won't be able to pick it off a shelf. We've got to do the root work. 
We've got to do the dirty work. And so I believe God is challenging us. Revive, you don't need a warehouse supermarket. You need a vineyard. You need somewhere where your roots can go deep enough to see the revival you talk, about, you talk of happen. You want to see miracles? You don't get them on supermarket shelves. They're not easy to pick up. You've got to have somewhere to go deep. And so I want to talk to you for a moment about this concept of a headquarters. Uh, as I've said, the concept of a thousand-seat venue, which is where we were heading, uh, is now unviable in this pandemic time. I'm not going to live to fill a thousand-seat building, and I certainly don't want to pay the mortgage. Uh, all of my friends with that are very twitchy right now as they're trying to figure out post-pandemic, how on earth do we move forward now with this colossal great building and a society that no, long, no longer wants to meet in crowded places but have something very, very different. And so we're looking for somewhere that is going to help us with a seven-day plan rather than a Sunday morning plan, somewhere where people want to be. Um, when we were looking at warehouses and talking of the house of prayer, I knew there was a little bit of a disconnect in my thinking, and I'd Sometimes you process it, process it to work out how, to, how you're going to fix it. But I knew, are people going to turn up at two in the morning to pray in a warehouse on an industrial estate? And I'm like, I don't know. So what I, I'm, I'm going to drop some major piece of information on you in a minute. Is that okay? Because this is a, a radical change in my thinking. And I've been sharing it with, with our leaders. It's been in me for a year. In fact, it's been in me since January the 14th last year when I wrote in my diary what I felt God was saying and I was too scared to tell anybody for six months other than Vicky. So are you ready for a bit of information of some of the stuff that we're, we're praying about? I, I'm beginning to feel that we need someone, somewhere that helps us deal with our commuter problem, a hub, so that we can have places around the region transforming uh, suburbs and towns and villages around the region. But we need a hub where we can be together and seek God together. And I don't know about you, I know this might not sound spiritual enough for some of you, but Revive, if we're going to live uh, spread out like that, we need something that pulls us together more than just a Sunday morning service. Uh, can I use the word we need family? We need fun. Only Vicky, Mum, Chris. We need food. How do I get you, who live in Market Wheaton, to come to church more than an hour and a half once every three weeks? I'm picking on you because you're here all the time, don't worry. How do I do it? Listen, half of us don't know each other, and the other half don't always like each other. That's how commuter church ends up. It's true, because the relationships are too fragmented to do the work, so we end up grumpy with each other. Can I just be real about where we're at as a church? Now, loads of my friends' churches are in the same place because we all have commuter churches. Thankfully, I don't have the big warehouse that they have. Some of them are selling. But I know that if we're going to go deeper in God, we need to go deeper somewhere together, and this model of church won't do it. So we are talking talking and looking and praying and thinking about radical new ways of gathering as a community. Do you want to know what I wrote in my diary on January the 14th last year? Do you want to know? 
if I was the bravest version of me doing what I really feel God tells me to do, and who knows that I'm not the boss, I, right? I'm, but it took me six months to go, so God, is that the new blueprint? Here's what I wrote. I say, God, if I did the thing I really wanted to do, I would buy a farm just outside the town and plant a house of prayer in it. Somewhere to play, somewhere to eat, somewhere to gather, somewhere to put up marquees, somewhere to have barns full of prayer going on 24-7, somewhere where people would want to come from around the world. God, I would build a holly bush, but not 30 miles out of town. I mean two, two miles out of town. Somewhere on a bus route, somewhere we can get to, and we can actually go, you know what? I want to be in church today for a full day. The kids are going to go and have some fun over there. We're going to eat some food over here. We're going to do this over there and, uh, and, 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 you know, whatever else you can find on there. We're going to put tents up in the summer. We're going to have marquees and we're going to have revival services every night. I know you're not going to come every night. I probably won't. But the point is, someone will be in a place where we're able to go deep. Anybody been to Hollybush? As I shared this, with, this vision with the leaders, I did a couple of leaders' lunches before Christmas, and I was sharing this for the first time with many of them. A lot of the generation that have been in places like Hollybush sat there crying and I'll be honest he's here but I won't embarrass him because it's not my story to tell but he cried as he said to me you know at first I thought it was a bit weird what you were saying then I remembered the ways that I'd encountered God in these houses of prayer and revival centers around the world that aren't in warehouses all impersonal and austere they are places where you just go and you spend a day or two or people travel from around the world and spend four days or two weeks or three months and it becomes a well of encounter and a well of prayer. So I don't know how we're going to do this. We're looking at land. We're looking at farms. We're looking at country houses. We're looking at leisure facilities for sale on the edge of town. Shall I show you one that I like is my favorite? See if it'll come up. There it is. That's just two miles outside of Hull. It's got a lake for paddleboarding and fishing. Anybody on board? There you go. We've got one, one at the back there. It's got four cottages, five static caravans, two barns for your prayer houses and eventing. It's got 20 acres in total of land for marquees and camping and people coming and going all, work, all year round. Uh, and it's within striking distance of Hull. For me, if I'm going to be the bravest version of me, and I put myself before you now, knowing that some of you are going, I reject that. To me, that will do everything we were going to build in Kingswood and more, except it's not a thousand-seat box. I understand that. But you, I believe you will see more youth saved paddleboarding. You will see your kids. Well, I don't know why some of our kids don't go to youth. I don't. I'm puzzled by it. Oh, less than half of our teenagers in this church go to our youth group. I need to provide something where your young person doesn't say, I can't be bothered, mum, dad. No, I don't like it. They're not the right kind of games or whatever. I need to provide something. I feel it in my bones. Something where your kids go, can we go and spend the day there? When's the last time your kid asked to go to church for the day? To eat and hang out. Some of you are losing your kids to God. You are. And if we don't do something quick, 30 years down the line, you say, we made some decisions in the 2020s that meant our child never had the opportunity to go deep enough and be touched enough to realize that God was more than a moral code. Some of your husbands, they don't want to come to church, but when I tell them they can come and fish for free anytime they want, then I sit down next to them on that pier. I tell you, we're going to lead people to Christ.
I know, you know, Wednesday night, 7.14, it's going great. I, I love it. It's really, it's, it's the beginnings of a house of prayer. But we must have somewhere, because I know how busy you all are. And do you know one of the greatest enemies of true spirituality is busyness? But, but, but I know I can't employ you all. I know that's unreasonable. We've got to, you know, the reality is we live in a world with mortgages to pay and studies to do and families to look after. And again, we live in this massive commuter area. Some of us, up to two hours drive apart from each other. Um, I know the only kind of prayer that will work is one you can go wherever you want to. Sorry, whenever you want to, you can turn up. Some of you mad ones, two in the morning, you're a night owl. You're awake anyway. You won't creep onto an industrial uh, uh, estate. But you could creep onto somewhere in the country, press a few buttons of a code, let yourself into a warm barn with worship being played, and seek God. We've got to create something that works for society today. So to me... And I totally understand you can reject it out of hand. You can say, no, you've changed your mind too many times, Cuba. I'd have sympathy. Trust me, the last seven years have driven me nuts. Truly. <laughs> but, so, well, we're talking to these people. It's not, all, it's not all as perfect as it looks. There's quite a few things to try and work out. But you see, that, that's 20 acres. I'm looking at any 20, 30, 40 acres on the outskirts of town. Would you pray with me? Because to me, this is a model that fits the future. It fits a pandemic world. Imagine outdoor fire pits and open air amphitheaters to use in the summer months or when pandemic times get silly, which they may well do again. Let's not pretend otherwise. We don't know. But the world is changing. And to me, this is where we're going. Um, Seek God about it. I know I'm dropping big information on you there, but seek God about that. Now am I going to get back up there? Sometimes they have steps, don't they? I get all emotional, I get all excited, and I come down. If I fall, Andrew, you'll have to take over. There you go. So look, that's where we're heading. I just see a world that is a 24-hour house of prayer, uh, but it is also paddleboarding and fishing and camping and food. To have meetings every week where you go, I'll go an hour early and I'll eat. Then I'll go into the service. I'll stay as, one, as long as I want. You've got a free day. You go, I think I'll just go and hang out in the cafe. I just think I'll go and I know I'll meet some revived people. I know there'll always be some pastors there, always on hand to sit and chat and pray and talk. And I believe it could be a well of glory for the city. That's where we're going. Don't fixate on that one. It has some complications to it. And we're looking at it, but along with others. But if you know tracts of lands, if you know farmers or leisure facilities for sale, email me, let me know. We are looking because I want us to have somewhere beautiful to gather as a church where you will say, I can't wait to be there. Now, because of our commuter shape, I still believe, oh, God point it that way maybe. Take it back one semi, would you? to the map. Oh, is there a map? Oh, there you go. Because we've got so many people in Hull, I still believe wherever this hub ends up, I just believe we need to hire, borrow, steal, whatever. 
inexpensive venues on Sunday mornings and just do simple church like we're doing right now. It's going to get even simpler than this. Next week, we're going to turn this room around and try and create a more intimate environment. I don't mean closer because of COVID times, but um, I, I want to create everything we're saying at this time is about family and intimacy. And, and I'm aware this is slowly already evolving into a little bit of an event. Uh, I, I want to be down there with you guys. I want us to be able to have moves of the spirit and space to prophesy and just make it feel a bit more intimate. Is that okay? So we're going to be swapping some things around as we, as we move forward. But um, hmm, I think the phrase that I want to say is, revive doesn't need a building. We need a lifestyle change. So pray for us leaders. If God, some, as I started this journey, and I've actually been on the farm that I had up there a couple of times, uh, I, I was going to kind of knock it off and say, you know, that's a crazy idea for a church. As soon as I walked on it, I felt God speak to me. And then one of you, the very same day, emailed me a dream about us having a property like this. Didn't know a thing. Um, can we just trust God together? Is that okay? Um, but this is a complete lifestyle change as a church. That's why I'm sharing it with you right now. Just pray that God would, we get the right land, we could build all of those things and better and more. Uh, so we'll see what he does. Let's trust God. All right, let's, um, what's the next slide, uh, Simi? I'll do my Chris Whitty. Do the next one. There you go. Next slide, please. Um, uh -huh. So here we go. I'm, I'm coming into land. Is that okay? Um, so the third point today, new piece of information uh, for people, is we are bringing in changes to our pastoral care. I think most of you know that we are adjusting our pastoral care. That's why we did the re-registering, so that it is now geographically based rather than just random relationships. Um, so that, for instance, all the people in the West Villages are cared for by the same pastor. All the people in Kingswood are cared for by the same pastor. All the people in the East are cared for by the same pastor. And we've ended up with all these pastoral houses and we're giving them all names. We're naming them after the signs of the zodiac. Is that all right? <laughs> I thought that would wake you up. No, we're naming them after, after heroes, uh, uh, you know, Wilberforce and Wesley and all. Is it, we haven't done an Andrew Murray house, have we? No, good. Um, uh, so, so we end up with pastoral houses with names. And if you know how the pastoring works in Revive, is everybody ends up with a pastoral couple. And this pastoral couple look after 20 or 30 people or 20 or 30 households each. But we're making them geographic-based so that when we decide, which I'll share in a minute, to meet in a certain geographic area, we can just call on several geographic-based pastoral houses and they can meet together, which I'll share with you in a minute. The, your 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 pastors and your pastoral houses will be announced later this month. You'll get an email and a letter, and you'll get information about the next thing, which is how we meet together. So expect new pastoral houses to come about this month. Is that okay? Next slide, please, Simi. Thank you. And then finally, I'm landing here, new Sunday services. Uh, so we're going to be, just begin to use these Sundays a little bit differently. Because I realize, again, because of the commuter nature of church, Sundays is still one of the times where most people will turn up. So here's where we're going. We, we, we do still intend to keep Sunday services very simple. Uh, we just want competent preaching, competent worship, and for the Spirit of God to move. And we're kind of working our way towards that. Um, but here's what we're going to do from February... 
till April. So February, March, April, we're going to try some new things. Revive United fortnightly. That's all campuses and locations coming together here together. And we're going to have a good classic service, praise and worship and preaching and altar calls and ministry and rah, rah, rah. It'll be fun. It's all the stuff that most Pentecostals have turned up for. And so that'll be great to do that and keep that going. But twice a month, we are going to gather in smaller family gatherings in uh, a couple of places around the region. And here's why. Um, for one point, when we were trying to keep capacity really quite down, uh, uh, can you remember um, uh, Vicky and myself were over in in Heseltown Hall with Rob and Linda and, and, and others, and we were, we were doing a service there, and it only ever got about 40 people. Can I say something? It was wonderful. It was lovely. It, it, you actually, I, you know, like today, I won't get to talk to all of you, but in that, in that environment, I got to talk to everybody. It felt social as well as spiritual. You felt renewed socially. It's possible to walk out of this meeting and still feel as lonely as you arrived, isn't it? Because it's already an event. As soon as you go over a certain amount, it becomes an event, not a family gathering. So what we want to do is begin to have family gatherings twice a month where three or four pastoral houses come together in one place, which probably means it's more like 50, 60, 70 people. And we're going to have slightly different services. You'll, sat, you'll be sat around tables. It'll be much more informal. There'll be testimonies. There'll be breaking of bread each time. There'll be space to hear different voices, not the same old voices all the time time and we can experiment with different types of service. The other reason that we're doing it is because we really need to land the concept of these new pastoral houses quickly. If not a year from now you'll go yes I know you gave me a pastor's name on a piece of paper but I've never met them. So we're actually going to gather and spend time getting to know your pastors and interviewing, uh, just having some fun with connecting with the pastor. So we're going to do that for three months. I do not know what's going to happen after that, but we're going to do that for February, March, April. So we've got the big Revive United services like you know and enjoy, but then twice a month, you will get the information, don't worry about it. We're going to have smaller services in a couple of locations across the city on a Sunday morning where we will get to know pastors and be a little bit more intimate and end up hopefully with the amount of people in a room where you get to talk to everybody as much as you want to and it'll feel more social is that okay so we're going to be doing that for three months trying it out that will start second week in february for the rest of january and for the first week in february we're going to be preaching about some of the stuff that i've talked about today opening it up theologically opening it up in, in sense of our behaviors explaining a little bit further where we're going and hopefully um we can head towards, if this whole thing works, God help us, to a much less fragmented church and to a church that is reaching the region so much more. God, we want harvest. And God, we want friends. Yeah, I'd like to get to know the half of you that I don't know. And I'd like to like the other half more. <laughs> That's not you, baby. You're all right. I know you. I think that's where we're really at. So is that okay? I think, I give, I think that's enough information for one day, don't you? Um, pray for us as leaders. Pray for the directors. Um, pray for communication in this time. 
uh, because it, it's wonderful that you're here, but this, is, this even now is about a third of our membership. So think of all the people that haven't heard what I've just said, who for the next three months will say to me, what do you mean? What, huh? Why is that happening? Uh, uh, pray for all those that are only coming once every few weeks, because again, they probably feel committed in their heart, but they're completely out of the loop of knowing where we go. So it's really hard to turn an organizational corner. So let's just pray unity. Um, that, that I, I understand there's going to be questions that they'd be, they'd be answered when you're able to move forward together. God help us get somewhere healthy that we can be more together, more family than ever, but come on, more harvest than ever. Desperate for that in Jesus' name. I think I'm going to close because I've waffled enough. Is it, have you got something from that?